Hey, this is Dylan Dudney, the CEO and founder of Root Protocol. We're doing some pretty cool stuff, crafting the Web3 renaissance through dids and self-sovereignty. You've tuned into the edge of NFT, your maestros for orchestrating the golden age of Web3. Keep listening. Hey, Web3 Curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn how this project rallied support from Animoca brands and many other venture capitalists like Shima Capital, DFG Group, and more. While this crypto visionary believes that decentralized identity layers, aka DIDs, are the game changer for owning and managing how you share your information online. And finally, why you might want to consider attending Satoshi Roundtable next year. It's an amazing show today, so grab your popcorn and let's roll into the intro. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Welcome to The Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Jenny, and Josh Krieger, featuring a variety of top-notch guests and other hosts like myself, Richard Carthon. It's another production of The Edge of Company, a quickly growing media ecosystem empowering the pioneers of Web3 tech and culture, responsible for other groundbreaking endeavors like the Outer Edge LA Innovation Festival. Today's sponsored episode features Dylan Dudney, a visionary analyst and early adopter of blockchain technology as an Ethereum Genesis supporter and Satoshi Roundtable member. He currently serves as CEO of Root Protocol, where he pioneers virtualized identity layers for the Web3 renaissance. As a seasoned crypto expert with 12 plus years in the field, he co-founded HarborDAO with Dean Igman, uh, DData Venture Studios, and Kylan Network. He also collaborated with luminaries like Edward Snowden, Dr. Michael Gardner, and Gavin Wood, and more winning awards and appearing in multiple literature for his contributions to cryptography and decentralized systems with Polkadot, Parachain, Cointelegraph, and more. Root Protocol is your gateway to the Web3 possibilities. Formerly NFT3, they're utilizing decentralized identifiers offering an intent-centric aggregator for digital identity, virtual accounts, and social graphs. Run by a team of crypto experts at Root Labs, they're driving positive change with ownership via Root Wallet, Root Account, and Omni Protocol. It's a pleasure to have you, Dightland. How are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you. And that was like that was a super nice intro. Um, I just want to. I just. <laughs> I only want to correct like one thing about it, which is that I. Okay, like I feel like I have made some contributions to cryptography in some ways, but certainly not like at um, at any foundational or fundamental level. Um, my contribution to cryptography so far, at least directly, has been um, different conversations that I've had with the legendary figures of it, including over the years, uh, Nick Zabo, um, David Chom, who's here at the round table. These guys were um, thinking about this stuff, you know, many decades ago and doing it um, just purely because they were just genuinely interested in the you know the 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 basic research component of cryptography and and also how to make the internet work in its first iteration and um i think we stand on the shoulders of giants um when it comes to cryptography and and early cryptographers and without them we would not um we wouldn't be here today, right? It was only due to the the decades of efforts of cryptographers coming all the way from 
the end of World War uh, uh, Two with with Turing, right? Was it two? Yeah, two um, with Alan Turing, right? So it's like um, we have to give them respect, and I definitely don't want to um, misrepresent that I have any contribution <laughs> to 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 cryptography. Um, uh, but uh, but I'm happy to be part of. Uh, a new a new wave of technology that I feel interoperates with this with cryptography as represented by blockchain te technologies we're experiencing today, um, and and we'll talk about that I'm sure a little bit later. Um, and, oh, absolutely. And that's regarding decentralized identity. Yeah, very well said. Um, definitely appreciate uh, going into that, and I also think that it's a great place to start just to learn a little bit more about you, Dylan. Um, is getting to know about like, how did you first step into the world of Web3? Like what's shaped that passion that you just talked about with cryptography and everything else and reshaping digital landscape and, and everything else that kind of encapsulates what Web3 is all about. You have questions about blockchain? Like how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. I was, so the very earliest point that the genesis of it was that I was interested during my studies in sociology in online currencies. Um, like, and at that time, um, EVE Online was one, there was a lot going on in World of Warcraft, people buying in-game items and things like that. For real money, which um, in 2000, you know, I think that was around 2007 ish, uh, 2006, 2007, that stuff was going on. That to me was fascinating. And um, so that primed me for a few years later when I read the Bitcoin white paper, which is in late 2011. And I thought, okay, well, you know, it, it just, I had this realization connecting those two things and my, my master's. Um, studies in, in that area, um, I was like, hmm, this makes a lot of sense. And so I actually had high conviction um, at, a, at an early point because of that. And that's, that's the Bitcoin side. The Web3 side is a little bit um, later on because Web3 concerns didn't really come, like Web3 ideas didn't really come to the fore, at least for me and I think for many others until Ethereum came into the picture and you could represent a multitude of different types of like logic operations with a Turing complete um, uh, language, right? Bitcoin is specialized just for financial um, things, at least early on. Now ordinals are coming into play and that may change, but yes. 
that's I hope that's uh, enough. There's a lot of twists no. and turns in, in between. Oh, but, oh absolutely. I, I believe it. And I, I think that's a good origination yeah. story into like what really drew you in. But I think on the lines of like leading into root protocol of like where did that shift and that dynamic start to to change and start moving you more in that direction? Oh, that's a, dude, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, like I was, you know, like involved in crypto and, and in general and all of that stuff and Bitcoin and Ethereum and um, all of the fascinating things that have happened throughout with DeFi and ICOs, blah, blah, blah. Um, about, I guess it was I, throughout this, the, this time period that I've been in this general space, I've been, I've had a thought to identity and how identity is handled at uh, the most basic level uh, for us on the internet. And that doesn't mean necessarily your personally identifiable information, although it can include that. Um, it's a much, I have a much more like technical definition or sense of identity, uh, especially decentralized identity on um, what I think will be a, a new type of internet. Uh, coming into play over the next five to 10 years, hopefully sooner, which is an internet predicated on people becoming the platform themselves. In other words, you having good ownership and control of, of your content um, and your data and, and thereby being able to leverage it on your own behalf. Um, now, the thing that is, is that this is only possible, um, some of these technologies to, to work in particular, verifiable credential attestations and decentralized identifiers. These are the two major technical pieces of what actually makes Web3 work. Web3 is a term, an overused term, uh, a term that is um, misused, overused, uh, <laughs> can encapsulate a multitude of different things. But, but I want to, there's something that I think is very crystal, crystal clear, which is that if you want, if this Web3 vision is predicated on um, us having any type of data sovereignty, content sovereignty, any of that stuff, we need an identity standard and layer that acts at the most primitive level, like a website or a URL, or a URL. And in fact, a decentralized identifier is at that primitive basic level. It, it is the same as, it, it's effectively similar to a URL, if you will. And so that is crystal clear to me. Right. And so that's why I form conviction around that. I'm like, well, okay, if, if this if web this fantasy of web three is gonna work and we need the actual Lego for that to to work. And and right, like we can't just like say, I'm gonna build a building with a bunch of like sticks and like pieces of dirt. Like we need so the Lego piece for me was was decentralized identifiers or the Lego pieces were decentralized identifiers and VCs. I like that. And and it's it's really important to build the infrastructure, uh, your, your foundation very strong so that you can keep building these large, amazing buildings as we keep, you know, building all of these really essential pieces that's going to make the future of the overused term Web3 more vital and more viable um, for not just economies of scale, but also for security for, for, for so many other elements of this. But I want to lean into this a little bit more is that, you know, one of the things within Root Protocol that is unique is the emphasis on decentralized identity technology, like you said. Can you kind of break down DIDs and VCs and, and why they're so important? Yeah, okay. So before decentralized identifiers existed, there was a lot of scholarship and thought to how do we have self-sovereign identities? Self-sovereign 
identities are inclusive of decentralized identifiers as a technology. Um, but we didn't know what we were going to have as that um, technology to push forward this idea of, of, of self-sovereign identity. So we also call this SSI. So SSI began in earnest with in concert with in Web3, crypto circles, et cetera, because it was only through cryptography that you could solve some of the issues of a decentralized identity on the internet. One of chiefly among them would be the idea of the persistence of that identity. That doesn't necessarily mean persistence in the sense that like I have like I'm Dylan Dune, that's going to persist forever, like I could change my name, but persistence in that you're resolving any data back to the same way you could resolve data back to a website. Like websites um, you know, have a registry, right? Like we have a domain name service and blah, 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 right? That's a centralized service. And you have a bit of an issue there, right? Because you need the centralized service to issue the, the domain, right? With decentralized identifiers, you, you know, and, and the idea of self-sovereign identity is you don't have someone to say, hey, you are who we say you are, like, right? Like we have with DNS. Um, you have a, a problem of understanding the ownership of that entity. In the did world, they call entities resources, and, and entities can also be individuals at sometimes, but they could also be companies, brands, or even far in the future, an AI bot that you've created, perhaps. Um, but we need to somehow prove that this is a sovereign identity without ex like exposing certain aspects of it. So the only way you can do that, in fact, it turns out, is through signing off on a cryptographic wallet um, and and proving control without ex, you know exposing the the underlying did right and so this is like okay wow we have the pieces in place and that's why um, at this that's why you know we've had uh, the development of decentralized identifiers and verifiable credential attestations because the good folks at the World Wide Web Consortium which is the same body that like, let me just like, when I say this, people are like, wait, oh, that's huge. They approve the rules of the internet. It's a bunch of people <laughs> in a small working group that approves the rules for the entire internet. They're called the World Wide Web Consortium and, and they're great. Um, they approved things like HTTPS, which allowed, you know, they, they allowed the early internet to, cause they saw a bunch of public inter intranets in the very beginning of the internet, right? Just a bunch of public intranets on DARPA. They're having trouble speaking to each other essentially. And so what do you do? You try to create a standard. And what they saw with blockchain is a, it's blockchains are essentially a bunch of public intranets and we're having trouble speaking to each other, right? And so what is what do the good folks do at the W3C? The it's you know, they made a, they helped they made a standard, <laughs> which is decentralized identifiers and verifiable credential attestations. So, you know, if you want to like use a Promethean type of example, it's like we have the fire, like we got the fire from the gods, and we're just not yet like the world's not yet caught up to it. Like think if we're it's 1992 and I'm telling you that you can have an email and a website. Like, why the hell would I need that? Um, <laughs> yeah. We're at a similar inflection point. Um, now, I think with identity standards, 
the internet and narratives around Web3 and the fact that we've gotten to this point via you know the supercharging nature of speculatively oriented crypto markets you know, we're three four cycles in and you know now we're kind of like everything's in place um people have wallets um the narrative of 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 owning your content gdpr you know is like five years old now i think so it's all mounting right now to an inflection point in my opinion I think we were two, maybe two years later than I imagined, and our investors probably imagined. <laughs> but I think this year, this year will probably be very, very good. So yeah, sorry for the long yeah. answer, but no, 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 really it's, it's, and it's a good one. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a thorough one, and I think for this particular yeah. topic, it it needs that level of deepness and thoroughness of explaining how we got there. Because for a lot of people, at the core of understanding, like how cryptocurrency and privacy and everything else I have a general understanding but to get to like the the real root cause of like hey you're saying all these things but here's what that really means and like here's how we're building something to ensure what your vision of what this is is actually happening instead of like you're saying being built with sticks uh actually being built with really strong infrastructure uh that's what root protocol is trying to do and i kind of want to talk more about like you know leaning into digital identity like what are some of the uh, efficiencies and applications that you anticipate arising from like this new paradigm shift that you're saying of leaning more into DIDs and VCs, um, but also just looking at things like, you know, surveillance capitalism and like other things around like how important truly digital identities already are, but will be as we continue to go into the future with things like AI and VR and uh, AR. I mean, shoot, the, the, the new Apple glasses that just came out and everything else that like comes with you know, just identity everywhere. So um, I know that's a loaded question, but want to hand it want to hand it to you. And now a brief interlude from today's show, so you can get ready to wave your magic wand with Cast Magic. Our team has saved a ton of time and money using Cast Magic for our show, and the potential use cases are boundless for any company creating content. Imagine turning a single recording into a gold mine of engagement for any type of show, webinar, or other type of audio and/or video content whether it's short or long. With Cast Magic, you can save over 20 hours a week. No more tedious transcribing or brainstorming social media posts. Cast Magic does it all, generating show notes, summaries, blog posts, and even newsletters in minutes. Think of it as your content alchemist, transforming every audio or video into a treasure trove of valuable content. Want to experience the magic? Get a seven-day trial on us by going to bit.ly forward slash Referral and join Cast Magic's vibrant Slack community of over a thousand innovators. Don't just create, cast your magic with Cast Magic. Yeah, uh, there's a few few parts to that, but I'll, I'll I, and I, it's awesome. Uh, let me let me get in. Um, so when it comes to the use cases, which I think is the really the like crux of the first part, um, I'm gonna channel my inner Vitalik and say, you know, my inner Vitalik from 2015 and 2016, and say, we don't yet know what this could possibly be used for. I think that that was the rallying cry of, you know, Ethereum at that time. Um, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners when Ethereum came out were like, programmable smart contracts. Who the hell would need that, right? Um, and and you know, and their retort was like, "Yeah, uh, I understand that, but I think you need to consider that um, the ability to reflect like a full programming 
um, environment and language on a blockchain might be a good idea because yeah, we don't know exactly like how it's, you know, here's this use case and here's that use case that we can think of. Eventually DeFi became in many ways the major use case, um, arguably. Uh, and, and I think that we sit at a similar point here with decentralized identifiers. I can, I definitely think there are some massive use cases, um, you know, that, that will come down the line. Uh, our end game, just to be very transparent, is we want better relationships between um, networks, ecosystems, companies, brands, and their users, customers, and members, right? And you can get far, far, far richer detail um, of that relationship and of the data on both sides and what you can leverage um, with a decentralized identifier resolving multiple data points, both on-chain and off-chain to that, to that entity or that person versus what happens now in Web2, which is just retargeted metadata um, and you, you know, self-filling out forms anyway. There's a huge uh, motivation, I think, as time is going on also for ensuring the quality, say, of you know, the, the largest spend that happens right now on the internet is advertising. The internet is advertising, right? That's that's the business model of the internet. And if we're talking about reframing the power, it's really about reframing the, the entire, it's more than just, you know, like tech and stuff like it's reframing a relationship that we have had up till now in this sort of web two model, which is intermediated um, by, you know, like, by Facebook, Amazon, Google, et cetera, and reframing that entire thing. And, and it's coming back into the, to the individual's hands. And what will happen is that um, now that individuals start becoming platforms, which I truly have, I have high conviction this is going to happen because you're going to have other business efficiencies. Imagine like being able to leverage that, um, you know, it can go all the way from the mundane to the to the to the like really high level. Like you could leverage eating a thousand Subway sandwiches as an off like an attestation from Subway's did to your did, right? Or and and leverage that, or you could receive a Harvard medical degree attestation from um, from Harvard, right? And how is that leveraged? You know, there are a multitude of ways you can pre-qualify. Uh, if you're a brand, you can pre-qualify people to come to be customers, right? You can you can essentially have uh, an ability to provide reputational indicators and data points without revealing who you are, right? So you can think of like a 4chan, but with status and badges that you can depend on. Like imagine, you know, some, there are myriad, myriad things. The short term though is different. The short term we have to, we're like Jeff Bezos, selling books on Amazon, because the short term is that we have to supercharge some type of sticky use case here in the in the here and now in Web3, um, which I, is where I, I expect to see a sticky use case or application happen um, for this particular technology. And for us, that means, you know, we, we will utilize decentralized identifier accounts and backending, but bringing kind of more of a Web2 experience um, that, you know, that leverages all the cool factors of, of, of crypto world, but our end game, you know, which is 
the ability to do intent centric actions like taking your you know um your bitcoin and and trading it through several different you know uh, l2s right if you need to but not actually having to go to each wallet and doing that but you know us um sort of abstracting that away for you and that's how we're trying to get a little sticky in the near term but the end game is really about um changing the way that the basic business model of the internet works for and also the way many customer and user uh relationships work like so that's that's the kind of like overview there on use cases and stuff like that and i as I went no, on talking, I forgot about no, your no, 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 it's all good. Cause like, I actually want to yeah. keep leaning into that because yeah. um, it's good to know like what root protocol, like how you're able to, you know, manage and, and, and share information online and, and root protocols approach to it. But one of the other elements of it, and like you're saying, you're looking for a use case that can kind of be repeatable and expand from there. Um, one of the things is your ISME token um, and it has utilization within your ecosystem. Can you kind of talk about like, what does that process look like? What what is the the, the utilization for the token and, and 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 for people coming in and using root protocol? How does all of that work together? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, I mean, I think for is the ISMI token is ultimately going to be a type of like utility that results in people who hold ISMI token having better um, terms or situations as a result of holding the ISMI token. So I expect that. Um, you know, what, what we've engineered, at least uh, in terms of the roadmap is we could, you know, for example, you hold a certain amount of ISME and this has got to be developed in situ. We can't just say like, this is the amount of ISME because there's a real, uh, many projects face this if they start to talk about what's the actual amount of ISME that you need to stake, markets go up, down. We need to be fairly flexible about what that means as time goes on, but you stake a certain amount of ISME and that gives you um i guess you would call it sort of more favorable buffers on the types of uh the types of things that you could receive in kind from partners right which would be you know partners like sony or brave browser or anybody or a DeFi platform um hooking into our system they would you know if you held a certain amount of ISME, you could receive more favorable um terms right on whatever that may be uh, and that would be like a really just, you know, quick and dirty type of utility that's actually real and not just like voting. Um, <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, like, let, let, let's let's be straight and not fool ourselves that a lot of the token utility um, is, you know, a capital inflow uh, situation, right? Like people will talk about token utility and there are very few tokens that in fact have through utility um, or, and, and to be fair though, I mean, are there, there are many projects, you know, that are just like any other project that want to find their footing, like Ethereum didn't necessarily have utility either. Um, but the ability, I think for us to pr like, to prove that we have realness among our, our constituent members, our ISME, um, our ISME, community right it like we have multiple data points and they'll just keep building right we have a twitter linkage the ability to map multiple wallets and as time keeps going that's going to be a very very attractive community to be able to hook into right because we can say like to a pretty pretty like 
we have high civil reasons, like whatever, what communities have like a massive level of um, ability to demonstrate that its members are in fact real and not bots. And that's yeah. actually powerful, right? So we'll see where it goes, but the, the initial utility I think could be to, you know, to an actual person's like, why the hell would I want to sign up for ISME? Like, uh, okay, like airdrop and maybe this token's worth something, but like, why, you know, what beyond that, why? And I think that those would be some of the first utilities where we can make offers and be desirable as a community to other partners. Yeah, I, I thank you for breaking that down. And one of the pieces in there that I do want to highlight again is the ability to prove that these are real people, right? And these aren't just a bunch of bots and aren't, aren't just, you know, some of these ecosystems and, and things that go out there. You, you might have a person that goes and creates a ton of accounts that aren't necessarily real, but are trying to like game the system. Um, and this is one of the ways that you kind of can offset that. And on the other subject of realness, got to say congratulations, because I know you just did a $10 million raise and I know raising money in this last bear market was very hard. Um, so, you know, how do you think Roots Protocol's founding, funding round um, signified a potential shift in inv investor perception towards uh, this move and shift towards DIDs and VCs and, and, and what do you think is like affecting that want and desire to try to lean more into this type, these types of, um, projects? Yeah. And I'll just give you like a kind of an anecdotal dramatic kind of story that includes some lore, you know, and some history with crypto <laughs> if you want on our raise, because we, we actually, we hustled, we hustled our asses off to, to get really, really great um, investors involved. Uh, and I, 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 I don't know if Animoca knows this, but I think maybe they do. But we actually like, I engineered like a whole conference to get Yatsu's attention. And this was like, and then invited him to the conference. <laughs> and, and this That's was really like January. Yeah, because it's, it's like, we got to get them. We have to get them. We have to. And I mean, how do we do this? Um, and uh, it was like January 2022 when we closed our first like tranche of everything and Animoca came in and other amazing investors like that are too many to name, um, but certainly Animoca's lead. So I don't feel bad naming them. And um, then 3AC happened, man, like three weeks after we closed. And so basically we closed three weeks in the first tranche before the start of the bear market. Um, I'm proud of our team and not having made the same mistakes that many uh, projects have made, whether that was, you know, they, the runway was not extensive. They burned too much, whatever. Um, many projects failed, right? 98% of these projects failed. I'm happy that we survived uh, and made it here. And yes, um, there's been increasing interest certainly on in this narrative right because um and we saw little murmurs of that with friend.tech you know i think that that whatever you want to say about that project being good legitimate bad neutral it doesn't matter because i think what it proved was that there's quite a lot of interest in the general narrative of having some sovereignty uh around you know yourself or your content or what you're what whatever you're doing right on the internet did i answer that completely I oh absolutely um I, okay. I agree and i think that's a great antidote and just shows for you know there's a lot of people that listen to our show who are builders themselves and are on the fundraising tour and trying to figure out 
different ways. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that is a tactic. Uh, I don't know that it, everyone can necessarily pull that off of throwing off a conference just for the idea of being able to bring in a decision maker that potentially could invest. Bold move, by the way. Um, but, you know, awesome results. But uh, it also just goes to show like there's a lot of creative things people listening can do to get in front of the the people that you want to potentially be part of I have, yeah. what you're building. I can, yeah, and I'm like so happy to speak on on that and how tough it is. Like, like I, I mean, I was in traditional, I did some traditional startup stuff like prior to getting into crypto. And, you know, like it's it's super not easy. It's a big psychological shift to go from, okay, and, you know, I had a young family throughout this, like, you know, my kids are 12 and seven now and like my journey starts, you know, 12 years ago in this world. And um, in some ways, as an enthusiast, at least, and like, it's really hard to psychologically shift from, okay, I have this. And as long as I execute on this, like money comes here, right, which is a job. Um, but, you know, you have to like, think about, it's pretty much the same thing. If you do it for yourself, it's just like, you're, you're kind of like, oh, man, like, it feels it's like walking away from a, you know, like you're, your your parents like your dad or mom's you know hand and like starting to go and it's freaking scary right like i didn't yeah. know if things are going to work out i have a mortgage and two kids and like but then as you get it's like anything you keep doing it more and it feels more um you feel more accustomed to it less anxiety i still have massive anxiety about yeah. some things but hey that is a but, founder that just comes with the territory yeah. of a founder yeah but like i would say like you know like um, one thing that was always effective for me and maybe for your viewers who are inclined this way is to try to, and I don't know if we're doing the best job of it with root protocol, to be honest, but it, try to get whatever you're working on down to a sentence or even a phrase. And that was, um, that was kind of like, that's always been effective for me. If you can't get it down to a sentence or a phrase and someone nodding their head when you say it, then you may not have something too great but this is different you know for technical things like if you're serving like you know developer environment obviously it might not get down to a sentence or phrase but anyway yeah no love it um i think it's a really good um reminder and and just helpful for for all those listening out there but now i'm excited to learn a little bit more about you as we head into our next segment which is edge quick hitters NFTLA returns as an inclusive week of community events throughout LA, celebrating the outer edge of innovation. Builders be building. There's so much energy colliding around gaming, AI, generative art, the metaverse, decentralized social, and the future of entertainment. If you want to be in the mix, including the official free NFTLA celebration, visit outeredge.live to subscribe for your updates in RSVP. Edge Quick Hitters are a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. There are 10 questions and we're looking for a short or single or few word answer, but feel free to expand if you feel the urge. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. What is the first thing you remember purchasing in your life? Gum. Yeah, it's a good one. Do I need, to, should I expand on that? Like, I think it was like Bazooka Joe. Oh, and nice. you could, they had the comics, you know. So. 
Oh yeah, I uh, my my first purchase was candy, and um, but on the <laughs> subject of gum, I love some juicy fruit growing up. So I, I definitely. Oh hell yeah, that. hell yeah! Let's get that juicy fruit. Oh no. Oh yeah. On the oh, on the other okay. side, uh, what was the first thing you remember selling in your life? Oh my god, that's such a. Um, I was a first job. I was like a waiter, so I guess I was selling food. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, helps helps with the selling skills and in interpersonal. Wait, world I might have. I might wait, wait, wait. I might have sold like ca- contraband candy bars at a summer camp once. <laughs> yeah, I think I may have done that too. Before nice. that, so yeah, hustling. Well, what Hustle. is the most recent thing you purchased? Um. Well, why can't my, I'm I don't know. Oh, what did I purchase? Uh, clothing. I purchased clothing. I purchased this. Yeah. Nice. Hey, for everyone yeah. listening, make sure you go check on YouTube the the nice black uh, sweater <laughs> that uh, Dylan's rocking right now. I think this is. I think I got it from Zara. I was nice. like, I have I have nothing to wear at this roundtable conference, so I was like, I need to. I just went in and like, and just went out. <laughs> that was it. Oh, it works. Um, what is the most recent thing you've sold? Um, some Ethereum. Yeah, getting ready to get into somebody's alt. So I, I, I got you. Um, <laughs> here's the next question, which is, what is your most prized possession? Uh, can I name three? Absolutely. Uh, they're not possessions, but I, I, I would say my my girlfriend and my kids. Yeah, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Um. If money is not a problem and you could purchase anything in the world, digital, physical, service, experience, et cetera, that is currently for sale, what would it be? I don't know. That's such a hard question, man. Um, uh, what would it be? I would, I would like, like I would buy a way like experience. I would buy a way for people to like, just live like longer and happier. Like just like, something like that and like yeah let people have it yeah i like that <laughs> it's so basically can I, oh, can I, that, no that works that works you, you, okay. you basically find some way that extends people's lives and share it with humanity that is absolutely an option so cool. okay that's what i do that's a good one that's like a, not that's too one. not too long though not too long because that would not be good just like an extra 20 30 years you know something like that i think that would be gotcha. dope yeah. i think they just announced in the 20. u.s that uh People won't retire until they're 70. So with this device, now we're going to work until we're 80. I like it. <laughs> yeah, my da- my, yeah, dude, my dad's 84. He's still working. Like, yeah. he, People just want to keep working, it seems like. Yeah, man. Um, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Resilience. Um, resilience and yeah. courage, maybe. And um yeah those those two are big and personality trait that i haven't always been great at but i'm getting better at is openness and vulnerability um and just being like okay like yeah this is the real stuff you know (laughs) i don't have to the only person i have to validate is myself and then look around the room and that's true for everybody else around the room so you shouldn't um worry about 
where you are, what other people think the most important opinion is your own. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, Which isn't you, easy in this world we live in today, right? Like no, being vulnerable is really hard, um, and and op the, the openness of it, because you know, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that like to take advantage or think that you have like alternative motives, so it's harder to be vulnerable. So I think. Um, that is like a really good um, char characteristic to have, and it makes it more pers personable, um, and, and and allows people to to be more open towards you. Because I feel like there's a safety yeah, there, yeah. being vulnerable with others. And yeah, and like boundaries, really important, really hard to do, but super important. So it's like a lot of people interpret, you know, like if you're open and vulnerable, like you should do it, you know, like they'd kind of take a people pleasing or like, I should always be open and vulnerable, but like having your boundaries, if I had had a better sense of my own boundaries and a better sense of self-esteem earlier in life, I, you know, I'd be like way ahead. It took me a long time to get both. Um, but I mean, if you can, if you can figure out a way to get great self-esteem and enforce great boundaries, it's like your life just absolutely changes. Oh, for sure. Um, but I've done a lot. It's, it's at least for me. It did. Yeah, no, boundaries are, are, are a big one. Um, and they can be hard in all kinds of different parts of your life, whether it's uh, nobody personal, likes family. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nobody likes to hear your boundary. Like nobody. <laughs> Almost, like I can't think of one person that likes to hear someone else's boundary. Because it's like, well, I thought, you know, or I, you know, it's like, there's, it's there, it's by nature, it's in a can be offending, right? It often is, almost always in some way is offending, right? Whether you're talking yeah. about your mom and she's rearranging your furniture and you're like, don't do that or whatever it is, right? Or it's a friend and you say, you know, like I felt like you did that, you know? Um, and it didn't make me feel good or whatever it may be like there. So it is very hard because it's not nice. Yeah, it's Usually. confrontation and <laughs> a lot of people yeah, it's try, try to avoid that. Um, mm -hmm. So on the flip side of that question, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Um, that's good. Uh, from the next generation, eliminate one of my personality traits. Uh, greed. Yeah. yeah. Greed is greed is greed is like, you know, greed is not good, right? Um, and I don't mean like, oh, I'm so greedy and like I'm like Gordon Gecko, like Wolf of Wall Street, shit like that. Like, it's more like, um, be grateful for the things that exist in the here and now and looking to the future, whether it's you're like, oh, like, you know, I want to make more money on this or whether I want to get more out of the situation, like understanding the fact that you have. 10 working fingers and eyes that can see and a nose that can smell and a mouth that can talk and a mind that can work and feet that move you around. Like don't take any of that shit for granted. Um, and um, you know, so there's an element of greed and in, in looking to the future and not being grateful for the things that, you know, kind of exist in the here and now. And it does transmit certainly in some ways to, you know, like beha behavior and financial markets too, right? Um, because right. you think, oh, if I could just get a little richer, you know, or whatever, like um, that's what I would say. Does that make sense? 
It absolutely makes sense. And uh, I think we all have it in our own ways and, and greed can take the form. And it's not always meant monetary. It can be and 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 you know, towards relationships, it could be towards um, time that you spend. It could be, it, it, it applies in so many different directions. So I think that's a good one. So um, appreciate you sharing that. Um, what did sure. you do right before joining us on this podcast? I've been, I was working like all since I woke up on the laptop, but I was doing, I'm here at Satoshi Roundtable and so it's a nice setting. Like I'm, I'll be straightforward. I'm <laughs> not like, not really like slumming it here by any means. Um, but you know, like I, I, uh, I was by the pool, I admit it, I was by the pool, but I was working <laughs> pretty much the entire time. And then I was like, wait, we got to get up to the room. Cause I got to do the podcast. And uh, yeah, we're just just really slammed getting ready for the launch. So that's what I was doing. Gotcha. And what are you going to yeah, do right I after? Truffle, I had podcast. some truffle Parmesan fries. Ooh, that's a little that, more. Those are clutch. Epic. Yeah. No, that's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah sorry. Um, okay. So oh, what are you going to do right after the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So after the podcast, we're, uh, there's a dinner um, that's being had here. And just... You know, this might be really interesting for um, your listeners because the Satoshi Roundtable is like, honestly, I feel like it's like the Oscars or of of like the crypto and Web three scene, or maybe more like the, I, I don't want to say Bilderberg Conference because that seems like too elitist or something because it's not necessarily elitist, but there's a lot of OGs here, a lot of founders, like people that like last year, CZ like talked to a group of ten of us. Um, I like, I was like, okay, like, wow, CZ, that's insane. Um, it's a really, really important conference. Uh, and I'm glad that I was here to spread the message of, of decentralized identity. And I led the decentralized identity session, which was like quadruply awesome. attended from last year. Like, yeah. and you know, we had the world coin guy there. Jacob was there. He's like CEO. Um, we had some great, uh, we had Animoca Venture or Animoca Brand CEO was there too. They're doing stuff with identity with their own thing, Mochaverse and Mocha ID. Um, so yeah, it's a great conference. Um, and so I'll just head to the last dinner for that. And then yeah. probably more. That'll be, that'll after. be good. And actually that, that blends into our bonus question. We always like to wrap up with a, mm -hmm. a bonus question. Um, and because you are at Satoshi, um, and I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but like, um, what is your biggest takeaway after having now gone to this experience? And I, I know there's a lot of people, listeners of our show who's heard about it and has considered it. Uh, it's definitely an investment to go, but like, what's what now that you've experienced it, like, what's your take on it? Um, it, well, okay. So like if you're, if you're a founder in the space, right. Or you have a project or you are adjacent or you serve it, right. Like maybe you have a marketing company or maybe you have an infrastructural mining operation or you run notes, whatever it may be. Um, you know, like you have some options available to you to, to like broaden, you know, who knows about you when it comes to conferences often that means like a sponsorship and you know sponsorship levels go all the way from like 5000 to say you know 40000 50000 so i think my roundabout point is this is that like the things that you get done here right if you put that spend into like a regular conference 
um, you know, advertising or something like that, say it's 30K, like this conference is not um, typically cheap to attend, even if you do have like a discount or you're invited, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, but it's definitely worth it because the things that get done here are like high impact, high tempo, high cadence. Like, for example, this, even this, you know, podcast, I was able, we were able to put this together, like, just like that, right? Because of, you know, the networking opportunities and the high levels of people that are here. Um, And it's not, you know, open to the public. Um, So that also is a bit of like a filter. Um, And yeah, yeah. And you can't really like, you can't like, you can buy your way in, but not like, not really, like not just anybody can, you know, attend. Um, There has to be some referral or some level of stature i I don't know who determines it i guess bruce does who organizes it i don't know (laughs) yeah no and and i appreciate that feedback um uh, josh is there attending now that's you know that's how dylan was able to to meet and be be on the show but he he has nothing but great things to say and i'm sure on another episode we'll we'll dive deeper into that but dylan it was was great getting to know you a little bit better diving into that um, and we're actually about to go into our final segment, uh, which is Hot Topics. Hello again, Web3 Curious listeners. If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about. Your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Welcome back to our Hot Topics segment, where we dive deep into scorching realm of Web3 news. Uh, We're looking through the latest updates and trends swirling around the decentralized universe, explore the ever-evolving blockchain with us, and continue the conversation on our socials, because the future of technology depends on your voice. So today, uh, we are going to be talking about Token 2049, uh, which is the premier global Web3 and crypto conference uh, that announced its Dubai edition from April 18th to 19th in 2024. It's an inaugural event that boasts a star-studded speaker list, including Paulo Ardino, uh, Sandeep Nawal, Arthur Hayes, Roger Ver, uh, Sergey Nazaros, and Daniel Allegre, and so many more. Um, about 7,500 attendees, luxurious Madinat at the Jumeirah, and um, it's also industry leaders with exclusive networking, top sponsors, including like BingX, CoinW, and Tron, and and so many more. We're planning on attending ourselves. Uh, uh, Dylan, I know you're you're in Dubai now at the Satoshi Roundtable. Um, and for, for those who have not yet been to Dubai and have seen what's happening in Web3, um, first, can you kind of just describe that ex- that lived experience of, of being in Dubai? And then also, like, what's your take on Token 2049? Is it an event you're looking forward to? Is it it's something that you're planning to, to go to as well? So Dubai has been um, extremely favorable. So it's extremely favorable to business just in general terms, not even talking about crypto or Web3, right? That's a, sort of like the, the whole city was founded upon being business friendly. Uh, so uh, that's that's one thing. The second thing is that they are, in fact, um, extremely favorable jurisdiction when it comes to crypto and Web3 projects. And in fact, one of our major investors, Cypher Capital, is, is, is here in Dubai, and we have other angels and investors. And I have many crypto friends and colleagues that all have decided to, to live in Dubai, um, at least part of the year. Uh, <laughs> it gets pretty hot in the summertime. Um, 
but uh but but yeah so it's it's a very favorable place uh to um to start you know a company or just to live because there's a good network of people here that are in crypto and web3 it's one of the top cities when it comes to um you know crypto and web3 communities i would you know call like i would put like dubai new york sf a little bit i'm trying to think of some european cities that fit the bill maybe um but yeah i mean these are like sort of like the top places um in terms of token 2049 hell yeah man if they if they give me a speaking spot i'll be there in a heartbeat um so whoever if you're listening um i'd be happy to come and speak <laughs> but yeah i mean to, it's token 2049 is you know considered as like one of the top events as well um along with you know some other important events throughout the year uh, for the conference schedule for the year so we'll in all likelihood we'll we'll be there with some presence but uh, i always love the opportunity to speak so i'll probably try to hustle that as well oh for sure yeah and uh disclosure uh Edge of is planning on being there, um, potential uh, media partners, and um, we're excited uh, just to to be back in the region. We've we've now gone to a couple different events out in um, Dubai and and Abu Dhabi, and just the types of people that that what we're learning is when you're able to meet the same types of brands in multiple cities and multiple countries, and and you start continuing to build those relationships, you're able to do more partnerships or deals or, or, or ways to work together because um, you're just being consistent. And to your point, Dubai is heavily favorable towards Web3 and, and the builders and uh, putting things in place to keep growing this amazing industry that we're in. Um, so we're excited uh, to, to see what's going on there, to see what happens with this inaugural event. And, you know, if, if this, this first one goes well, I'm sure there's going to be pretty uh, plenty more uh, to come afterwards. Um, and yeah, just excited to to have fun in the city of Dubai. There's so much going on in Dubai, just as a city too, uh, to to go and check out. So um, I'm I'm pretty confident that is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, too. Awesome, man. Well, uh, as we wrap up here, we always like to finish off with um, shout outs. Uh, so uh, we like to give you the floor for whether it's someone on your team, whether it's someone that you're working with, et cetera. If you want to give them a, a shout out right now, by all means, uh, go for it. Absolutely. I want to give a shout out. Hi, we love having listeners like you because you're not only generous, but you're smart and you want to maximize the impact of your generosity. Donating money to help people can be a wonderful and selfless act. But how can you feel confident that your donations are improving or saving lives effectively? You could do weeks of research to find the charities that are out there, programs that they run, how effective those programs are, and how the charity might use your money. Or you could visit GiveWell.org. There, you'll get a short vetted list of the best charities they've found at saving or improving lives per dollar. GiveWell spends over 20,000 hours each year researching charitable organizations and only recommends a few of the highest impact evidence back to charities they've found. Here's an example of how we at Edge of NFT make our charitable contributions go super far. Quick search on GiveWell's website, found their Maximum Impact Fund, clicked Donate, sent crypto to their address. Done. Their Maximum Impact Fund distributes quarterly to the charities that they believe will do the most good. GiveWell accepts a broad variety of popular tokens and provides a simple way to document your donation. If you've never donated to GiveWell's recommended charities before, you can have your donation matched up to $250 before the end of the year or as long as matching funds last. To claim your match, go to GiveWell.org and pick podcast and enter Edge of NFT at checkout. 
Make sure they know you heard about GiveWell from Edge of NFT to get your donation matched. To, first of all, our team members have been working super tirelessly. Jackie, Bart, um, Kev, uh, Kathy, Jason. Um, thank you guys so much. It's been a really, really tough, like, ch- not tough, but like it's been challenging. Um, our investors, uh, obviously, Animoca, um, Shima, LD, uh, Yao, what's up? I feel like I'm giving an Oscar speech. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, all, everybody, Meltem, God bless you. Um, Nick from CMS, Ben, Bank, Ben from Bankless. God, yeah, man, thank you. Um, uh, Tekken, Tekken, thank you, Tekken. Thank you, Galen. Um, and that's pretty much it for now. And thank you all of our great community members and ISME account holders. Um, I'm glad you guys are on board. We've got, there's 250,000 of you. So I'd have to be thanking a lot of people right now if I were to go through the list. No, you did. And it's awesome that you gave them all a shout out. And I'm sure they're going to be yeah. very grateful when, when once they hear it. Uh, but for everyone listening right now, um, where can they go to learn more uh, about you and your products that you're working on? Yeah, super simple uh, domain name root.xyz that's r-o-r-o-o-t.xyz extremely simple that's where all of our resources can be found including our social links and stuff like that so just remember that root.xyz perfect well we've reached the outer limit of the edge of entity for today thanks for exploring with us we've got space for more adventures on the starship so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey so much better how? If you're listening, go to Spotify iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Or if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and pass the episode on to a friend or two. Lastly, be sure to tune into the next episode for great Web3 content. And thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, and privacy policy.